<laughs> Good morning, everyone. <laughs> oh, come on. Do a little bit better than that. Good morning. But OH&S would be all over that, but that's what we need these days. Gene, if your little baby, if, if Toby is not eating, you just need to buy one of those lawnmowers, okay? Um, and Megan, can you video that, please, just so we can sort of show it on a Sunday morning. How are we all doing this morning? Okay, first day of spring. What a beautiful day. Can you smell it? Can you smell the spring? Oh, okay, everyone yawns, stretch your arms, all those things. Come on, this is it's great. I woke up this morning and the birds were singing a different tune, literally. And, and the warmth is here. It is fantastic and good to be together today. There's a couple of things before I jump into this morning. I just want to mark the moment. Craig Harris, where are you? You are here. Mark, could you please go and give this to Craig Harris? This is an extra chocolate for him. We are almost ready to launch our website at NCR. We've got one, but we're, we're almost ready to launch. Yeah, put your hands together for Craig because he has been patient with me for a year and a half now and so we are almost there we've just got one little technical thing so maybe Monday or Tuesday we'll be saying everyone go there if you really like the website it has everything to do with me if there's any glitches in the website go and talk to Craig okay apart from that Craig thank you that's brilliant the second thing I want to say is Father's Day did anyone have a little bit of fatherly love today if you're a dad here in the room I had a little bit of fatherly love yesterday uh, my little daughter my youngest she woke me up yesterday and she said, Dad, I knew this, but she, uh, get up because we're going up to uh, the cafe together. Just me and her, we walked up the road to the cafe, we ordered our breakfast, we sat there and we talked about philosophical things about life and, you know, um, future. No, we didn't. We just, we just ate our food together. At the end of it, she went up and she paid for it. She had been working all week to save up money and she had done the booking. She went up and paid for it. I was sharing this with the dad on the way down, back down the hill, and his first reaction was, could you talk to my daughter, please? And I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. You do not understand the dad thing here, all right? The, the, the reason I, I shared that is, is not so anyone can, needs to go and tell her anything or not to make any comparisons, but as a dad, you understand, we take those moments and we bottle them, don't we? We bottle them because we know there's a whole bunch of other stuff in the middle that we need to remember those times. Yeah, yeah, because all the other stuff that's wrapped around it, all right? So that was just my experience. It doesn't have to be yours. No comparing here. It's just one of those bottler moments, yeah? In fact, this theme for the month is dependable God, disposable world. That's what we're talking about this entire month. Dependable God, disposable world. If you had a tag on my dad, if you want to understand a little bit about who I am, and, and Gary, that was fantastic wherever you are, that was brilliant sharing this morning, is that um, I would probably tag this as... Uh, dependable dad, disposable family. Right? If you had any sort of connection with my dad growing up, dependable dad, disposable family. There was one particular time we were up at uh, Bright and the idea was that we were going to have a family experience the next day up on Mount Buffalo. And the only thing you did up on Mount Buffalo in the middle of winter was go tobogganing. That was really all it was good for. And so we went to the ski high place and we got decked up with all the sort of regalia, all of the mitts, all of the boots, all of the toboggans and uh, some mention about chains, but they said, no, we don't need those. And then the next day we were going to get up and have a family experience up on Mount Buffalo. So it was a cold morning. Uh, Dad had one of those big old Valiant cars. Yep. And so we were driving up Mount Buffalo. And the thing about Mount Buffalo is that there are no guardrails. So they're very, 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 very few. And we were driving up there and there was a big line of cars and it was getting colder and colder and all this white stuff started to fall from the sky. It was snow. And as we're driving up the mountain, the cars were going slower 
and someone mentioned something about chains. No, no, we don't need those. It's all taken care of. It's a big car. And we got to this section where there was someone actually flagging people into an area to put on their chains. And I remember the exchange between my mum and dad. Do we need chains, Trevor? No, we don't need chains. We've got this big car. It's all taken care of. Dependable dad. Disposable family. <laughs> we drove straight past that little check-in place there. We don't need chains. What are they doing? Waste them time. Waste them money. Uh, about a kilometre further on. <laughs> and the car in front must have hit some ice because it kind of just did a little sort of, you know, it sort of just chipped its little side out. And at that moment, Dad hit the brakes, just at a little bit of speed and locked those little babies up, those wheels locked up. And we just, you know, those pregnant pause moments, everyone's in the car and we just slid towards eternity. (laughs) Blue sky, beautiful view. And we were about to meet it, literally. There was, there was this little mound of snow that the, the, all the, the snow clearers they used, leave on the side of the road from the day before. That was all the thing that was between us and eternity. And, and I remember we, just, we were there in the car. We were, we were going towards uh, just at a nice little steady pace. And uh, this little mound of snow, you could hear it just go, boom. And we stopped. It was at that moment, mum went, that's it. She blew it, blew the fuse, right? Fuse blown. She said, I'm out of this car. <laughs> and, and, and dad's saying, no, no, Norma, don't get out of the car. The kids say, mum, don't get out of the car. Mum's out of the car. She steps out of the car. Whoa, whoa, whoa. She's sliding all the way down the road. That's bad. She was angry before. Now she's real mad, dad. We get her back in the car. Someone else from another car came and helped her back in. She was just, we turned that little baby around and we went all the way down. I learned something really valuable about my dad that day. Dependable dad, disposable family. We are still here today. If you want to know anything about me, thank you, dad. Happy Father's Day. Glad you're here. You are a dependable dad. That's very good. Okay. Um, I wonder if you have ever, we're talking about dependable God, disposable disposable world. I wonder if you've ever heard the magic words when you've taken uh, an item, an electrical item or some good back to the manufacturer or back to the store and you've wanted it repaired because it's in perfectly good working order apart from one component. And you're there in front of the counter and you have this exchange, this conversation, and they say something like this. You know what? By the time you've ordered this part from overseas, by the time that you have paid a serviceman or woman uh, to actually fix this thing, it's probably cheaper for you in the long run to just buy a new one. Have you heard that before? Rather than just, rather than fix this thing, you can just throw it out and get a new one. Yep. We hear this all the time. In fact, that, that seems to be the, the carry note, if you like, for throughout our community. You know what? We can just get a new one. So, three weeks ago, uh, I came home at night time and my wife, she said, you know what, honey, the dishwasher is not working. I said, family, hold back. Hold back here. Because you have dependable dad. He's going to deal with this. And so, I walked up to that baby and I said to the family, stand back. I'm going to fix this thing. 
And I heard some words about a serviceman or woman or something. I said, no, 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 dependable dad, I'm going to fix this thing. So day one, day one, I hoisted that thing up on its stilts and, and I, uh, I pulled all the panels off because someone, my wife had mentioned the last serviceman who came, there was something about the fan and the cooling system. So I got down on the ground and I'm looking through and I find something in that and I go, that is it, I found it. I fixed this thing and I put it all back together and I hit start, bang, in the middle of the cycle, doesn't work. Ah, oh, this is not good. Day two. Day two, and now the family's starting to flinch because we're having to do the dishes the old-fashioned way. Yeah, day two. And then I hear those words, you know what, it's probably about time we just get a new one anyway. New one? What? Are you kidding? I'm a dependable dad. I'm going to fix this baby, all right? So day two, the end of day two, I'm putting it, pulling it apart. I mean, which other bloke in this room wouldn't do the same thing, hey? And I'm trying to figure this thing out. Right, Phil. Okay, and then I would figuring this thing out. Day three. This thing is still not working. Now, the family is getting pretty tense. And I discovered this new toy. It's called the internet. Has anyone? I went to the internet and I, and I googled my dishwasher. There's this whole conversation online about my dishwasher. And I looked down through all the thread of the conversation and someone says from some other part of the world, they say, you know what? If you go and press these buttons in this particular order, it will reboot and reset your dishwasher and it'll work like new. Like, that is brilliant. I walk up to that thing, boom, 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 in the right order, resets it, press go. That machine has been working perfectly since. Hey, don't have to pay a service person, don't have to throw it away. Why? Because I don't just want to throw away something that's in perfectly good order unless it looks ugly and then I'll throw it out of the house and replace it with something better. But apart from that, that wasn't you I was talking about. (laughs) Oh, Father's Day just went south. That was some of the items that you get, you know, I'll stop there. Oh, man. I'm going to pray and say amen. We're just going to go home now, if that's all right. Oh, my goodness. All right, that's not how it came out. I mean, it came out that way, but that's not how it meant. All right. Okay. You're beautiful, my dear. Okay, we're just going to keep the one. I'll get there. Okay, all right. Uh, So that's where we're at. This whole idea, can you imagine Imagine a world that thinks that the first time that something is hard or that doesn't work right or looks a little bit odd, what we're going to do is actually just going to retrieve this thing now, is we're just going to throw it away because it's not working. When anything gets a little bit hard, what we want to do is just dispose of that thing because we can get a better one, a cheaper one, one that might be a, last a little bit longer along the way. Could you imagine a community that thinks like that? I mean, you can apply for a job. Some of you here today might be just in the throes of saying, should I just discard the job I have and get a new one because it's been pretty hard? Or maybe you're here and you've got some friendships and someone said something and they've got your nose out of joint, you're not prepared to go and talk to them about it, but you're wondering, should I just jettison the relationship? Or maybe you're here this morning and there's some schoolwork and you've been putting in a lot of effort to one particular subject and you didn't get the results you wanted, so you're thinking, maybe next year I'll just wipe that subject. Or maybe you're part of a marriage here today, and you're thinking, you know what? It's a little bit of hard work. My friends are encouraging me. Maybe the, the best thing I should do is get rid of this one and jump into another one, because it'll be less difficult. It'll be maybe 
more affordable and it'll be better in the long run. And really, the thing that maybe you should be doing is thinking, maybe I should fix the one I have. Maybe I should hang in there with the job that I do have, the subject, and apply more work to it. But we've got a world that kind of says, if it's not working out, maybe you just dispose of this one in order to get another one, a more dependable one, one that you like better. Is anyone here today ever wished in a relationship that they would like to hit the reset button in a relationship? Just me. I'm hitting the reset button this morning, okay? But apart from that, usually what happens in a relationship is you actually want to hit their reset button, don't you? You don't want to hit your own because it's not my issue, it's not my fault. I'll hit your reset button. The truth is, We can only hit our own. Can you imagine a culture that after a while when it seeps into their thinking, the easiest option is to dispose of one to get another. And perhaps the most important thing you should do is learn to fix the one you have. Get the order right and hit the reset button is maybe the option you should be taking. Okay, this next month what I want to do is unpack five characters from the Old Testament, that is the time before Jesus, that is the time before Jesus where God worked through and in his people by the name of the Israelites and they were his people and it really tells the story before Jesus in the Bible of, of how God worked in and through his people. And one of the characters that I want to focus on this morning, so if we can do a little bit of history here just to set the context for a moment, is this person by the name of Haggai and a leader by the name of Zerubbabel. I know unfortunate names, but that's what was chosen. That wasn't my deal. I had nothing to do with that. If you could cast your minds back, unless someone here is called Zerubbabel, then I'm in a lot of trouble. But cast your mind back to about the 500s BC. This is Mesopotamia, so this would be modern-day Syria, Iran, Iraq, and all the way down, if you like, down to Israel, what would be known as modern-day Israel. That's the kind of setting that we have. It's 500s BC, and there's been a power shift. The Persian Empire has overtaken the Babylonian Empire. Our Persian friends here last week would know some of the kings. We mentioned them. One was by the name of Cyrus. The Babylonians had captured many of the and overtaken many of the peoples of the known world and they had deported, take the best of those people back to their own land. And when the Persians came into power under the King Cyrus, he said, I want all of these captive people, whoever wants to, to go back to their own homelands and I want them to set up and build their temples to their gods that we had destroyed and I want you to actually start worshipping them again. Kind of like he was covering all of his bets. We've got our Persian gods, you've got your gods, If we smooth it all over, I'll be in a better position, more powerful one. And so that's what was happening. There was four movements of people that travelled from Babylon 1,000 kilometres south to Jerusalem. And in 538, the first group of people, they arrived and they established the first foundation stone. And then for the next 18 years, they left it their idol. And this is where the story now picks up. Haggai, God's spokesperson or his prophet and Zerubbabel. This is what happens. God comes to Haggai and says these words. In the second year of King Darius, that was after Cyrus, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord, that is God spoke through his prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. This is what God says. 
These people, not my people. So just from there, you kind of get the feeling. God's a little bit ticked off. These people. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. That is God's temple in Jerusalem. Now, just hold it there for a moment, because he's actually quoting back what perhaps people were saying amongst themselves. God's people, the Israelites, back in that particular place. They're saying, these people say... The time hasn't come to rebuild God's house. Now, if you're here this morning and you're a parent, I just want to give this a little bit more of a context. So if you have some teenage children, you might have heard some whining. Have you ever heard whining before from from kids? Yeah, whining. So when you read this line, you have to add some whining in. Yeah, and a little bit of attitude because that's kind of what's going on. I have kids, but uh, I was a high school teacher, so this is what I learnt this from. My kids don't display any of this behaviour whatsoever, so it's just a little bit of whining. So it's got to go something like, you're telling me the time hasn't come to rebuild God's house? Whatever. As if. Yeah, and what's the other one? Good as. You know, they're supposed to be filled out there, don't you? Yeah, good as what? It's like a simile. Good as something. You need to fill that. You know that. (laughs) Time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house, God's house. Whatever. Good as. Good as what? Good as. Yeah, the attitude. You know what I'm I'm talking about? All right, it's just me maybe. All right. He's quoting it back. And then it goes on and says this. Thanks, Tim. Then a second time, God spoke to Haggai and he said, Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while this house remains a ruin? Really? Really? Is it time for you to live in your panelled roofed houses while my house is in ruin? This is the conversation he's having. All right, so the the good news is today we've actually got some footage of what those houses might have looked like because he might have been actually talking about Zerubbabel's house and he's the leader and making comparisons. So here's some photographs. We think what his house looked like. All right, so this is the open spacious back patio. You can see the, the sea over there. There's the palm trees, so we know we're in the right location. This is the shot during the daytime. See, very spectacular house. And then this might be Zerubbabel in the pool. Okay, just in the afternoon. So you kind of get in your mind the picture of what this house is kind of like. The looking after your own panelled houses. And this is God's. Whoa. Okay, let's go back here again. Did you take that? All right, so this is what Zerubbabel's house looked like. Yeah, and then the daytime shot. And then, the, all right, and this was God's house. Whoa. Now, let me ask you. If you wanted to go to someone's house for a party, which one would you choose? Don't take too much time. I know which one I'd choose. The pool's looking awfully good, right? And God says, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. You're telling me the time hasn't come? to rebuild my house, and yet your house is looking awfully, awfully good. Hmm. He says this throwaway line, not a throwaway line, actually a provoking question. He goes, consider your ways. Have a look around. Let's do a stock take for a minute. He goes on and says these words. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down some timber and build, first time, My house, here's some attitude coming through here. My house, not whatever, not good as, yeah, got to be good as your house. Build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honoured, says the Lord. 
You expected much when you returned from Babylon. You expected me to just unfold everything before you. You expected me to make all the crops so good. You expected to have such a great time in me providing for you. But see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home from all of your harvesting, he says, I blew away. So consider it. Just take a stock take for a moment on your life, on your house, on everything. Take a step back for a minute, my people. And let's just consider this, what's going on. My house, your house. Let's just do a stock take on your priorities. All of this time in here, when someone looks at your house, what do they think? When someone looks at my house, what do they think? I wonder where your values and your priorities lie. It's a pretty interesting conversation, isn't it? And then, provokingly so, he goes on and says these things. Why did I blow it away? Because of my house which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops, I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil and everything else on the ground produces on people, livestock, on all the labour of your hands. Why? Because you don't care about me. I'm down here at the bottom. How do I know that? Look at my house. Look at yours. Do you notice the difference? Take a step back. Is it hard for you? Are you going out there to the fields? You feel like you're peddling, peddling, peddling really hard and not getting much? Have you ever considered, my people, that I've been trying to get your attention now for 18 years? See, what happens at this moment? They hear these words and Zerubbabel does something really profound as a leader. He makes a choice. He says, God, you're right. And so he rallies the people around and he says, you know what? Let's start. 22 days, this is in the middle of cropping time. They finish their cropping, they get to work. And then after they've started the work and started to reposition their priorities, God speaks one more time to this man called Haggai and he says these words. Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message to the people. Tell my people... I am with you. Not beforehand, not during, but after they'd started to put their priorities right, then God comes and sends another message and says, by the way, you might not have thought I was with you those 18 years. Right now, you're reshifting and reorganizing. You're providing some leadership. I tell you this, encourage them. In the midst of their hard work and their toil, tell them, I'm with you. I am with you. I am with you you. Okay, let's bring this together. Today's Father's Day. All around this country right now, there are people celebrating fatherhood. For many people, that is an enigma. I remember my friend, once many years ago, he had kids before me and they were growing up and I remember he turned to me one day and he said, Troy, I don't know what to do. I said, what do you mean? He said, I don't know what to do. Now my kids are getting older I don't know what role I'm supposed to play. Am I supposed to be on the lawnmower doing these things to make my kids eat? What do I do? And it struck me at that moment that parenting and perhaps fatherhood is equally caught as much as it might be taught. 
You have a whole generation of people in Australia wondering, how do I do the dad thing? You heard that conversation from the boys at back. And by the way, I do not advocate jumping into bathtubs, okay, um, unless it's in someone else's house. What do we do? There's another question that I think you should ask as a dad. Thanks, Tim. Is that whilst you're asking that question, if you're doing the dad thing here today, you should also say, what kind of house do I want to be building? That's a leadership question. What kind of house do I want to be building? Because the leader says, the buck stops with me. The leader says, I will set the pace. The leader says, I will take responsibility. The leader says, even if I didn't catch it, I'm going to catch it and learn it from someone else who's gone before me. That's leadership. Now, when I look at the house, there's four things that I kind of think of. And uh, when it comes to four different areas of house life, there's more, but I've just put down four here today. One, volume. Two, affirmation. Three, affection and stability. These are three things. If you are here today and wanting to lead in your household and hit a reset button, I would say, if you applied it to one of these four or all of them, you would be doing well. And I just want to make a little exclusion clause here. I am not the expert, but I'm in the game and I want to be. Yeah? Volume. Some people, in your parenting, you need to turn the volume up because there's little communication. For many people, we need to turn the volume down. Particularly if you're from a European background and the noise level, so from wherever, wherever you start, whatever is up from you, okay? There are times we need to turn the volume down. Has anyone wanted to hit the reset button before on volume? Thank you for your encouragement this morning. It is just me. A few weeks ago, I found myself muttering away after some tired bodies in our family saying, I need to hit the reset button on volume. Second thing is affirmation. There's this, there's this wonderful time of affirmation in which we need to be, really should be saying building up. Because sometimes it's not always just about affirming, it's saying that was wrong, but I'm saying this to you in love because I want to build you up. I've got your back. You may not understand that right now, but I'd rather be getting you back than being in your face with the volume. So what I want to do is be the kind of leader that looks out for ways to build up. Here's a classic. It's been a commercial. It's been running with the Combank. Have a quick watch of this now. I love this. When you're really committed to doing something right, well, eventually you can. Well done. And it's nice when people notice. Well done. When I watch that, I go, isn't that brilliant? You know, that guy is just not a grandpa walking by idly along. The, that is Alan Davidson, fast bowler for Australia who played havoc with the English in the 60s and 70s. Bring him back. There he is, this little kid. He is resilient. He is resilient. He is resilient. Sorry, Ali, that was a little bit pointed, wasn't it? I'm doing that a bit this morning, aren't I? I'm in bigger trouble. I've just... Didn't you love that? That whole idea. Let's pull up that house again. Yeah. 
the idea of someone there clapping and cheering you on, when I saw that I went, we need more grandpas and grandmas around your community, but I also wanted to see a dad there in the between. So if I had a young person, I had dad and I had grandma, grandpa, all clapping. Do you need to hit the reset button on the affirmation, the building up? This one here, the affection. It's usually in the times where the volume's down at a, at a constant level that leaders need to do their work the most. That's when we need to do our affirmation. That's where we need to spend time together doing things that are enjoyable. You have those moments as families where you actually say, we're doing something that's enjoyable. We're doing something where we have fun. We're doing something where I can place my hand on your shoulder and say, you've done well. Let's just have some fun together. And lastly, stability. Instead of chaotic patterns where we're just scrambling to pull things together, there's a part of health within homes that says, you know what? We want to build meaningful times. Maybe it's a trip away. Maybe it's the long weekend that we do. Maybe it's Friday night we have fish and chip night. Maybe it's something that's stable. We're going to have a meal together or every meal together during the week. That's just what we do. There's routine and there's safety and there's stability that we harness into our home. I wonder this morning, as you look at these, if you might be hearing God whisper to you and saying, if you needed to hit the reset button, which one of these would it be? These guys are going to come up, we're going to play a song in a moment. And as they do, if we tied these two things together from Haggai and from Father's Day, I think the question that God will be saying is, you know what? There are times in your lives where you go, I'd like to hit the reset button, but I don't know where to start. I don't know how. I don't know what the order is. And God, I need your help. And God might equally whisper back, consider your ways. Build my house in your life. First, put me at the centre. And when's the last time God might whisper to you that you prayed for your family? When's the last time you came to me and you said, you know what, I want to honour you first. I'm going to set aside time, I'm going to portion it here because your house and you in my life is more important. And I want you to be a dependable God in my life. And it's so easy to just dispose of him and make him a commodity. And he says, consider your ways. You want me to bless you? You want me to sustain you? You want me to provide for you? You, you do want me, don't you? To do those things? To make changes for good? Consider your ways. What are you doing in your life? to honour me and build my house first. I want to hit the reset button. God might say, honour me first. Not all of the other things. I mean, sometimes we treat God like one of those glass displays with the red button, right? Only when there's an emergency, break this glass and press. That's the ruined house bit. 
Instead of saying, I'll invest time here, make you a priority, you'll be number one. Praying. Portioning out time in my life to read and to engage and to learn. What's God asking you to do today? Reset. 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 Men, you want to be leaders? Ask yourself the question, what kind of house do I want to build? Not what kind of house does someone else want to build? What kind of house am I building? Do something about it. Reset. 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 Here's some options. Mel's got his book out. Mel that was here two weeks ago. Good dads, great dads. Bless my mum. She, she's got four boys and she bought four copies. So I'm reading this. Copies are out there. Stu's going to be out there today. The table is set. 20 bucks. Five dollars of that 20 bucks is going to go to East Timor. Thank you, Mel, for the Fokupers fundraising. So it's even for a good cause as well. But you know what? As Gary said, you can't just get this book by osmosis. Hold it in your hand and it's going to get into your head. You need to read it. Secondly, if you don't know where Jesus fits into your life and you're wondering, where's God? Come and join our Exploring Jesus group. It is starting on Monday the 9th. If you would like to be part of that, write it down on one of your white cards now and say, include me in. Here's my email details. Pulse. Men, recharge was brilliant a few weeks ago. There's only a few of us. It was a time to pause and recharge with God. Stu's going to be out there on the table out in the foyer and there's the cards Get hold of those, connect with other blokes, but also connect with God. That's a good starting point. And Sunday the 15th, I want to tell you about Sunday the 15th. Here's just four ways. There's about 30 buckets out there on the table where Stu is. And I told my dad about this this morning, so thanks, Dad. The Reeds have built a house up around Kangaroo Ground, right on the Yarra River. And I reckon it'd be a great time for dads and kids, families and kids, so it's not just a dad thing, it could be a mum thing or a family thing. On September the 15th, straight after our gathering here, bring some snags, bring some food, head up. But the deal is this, we want you to fill these buckets with 40 to 50 worms. You need to do some digging over the next two weeks, the worms are out. Put them in there, put some soil in them, keep them moist. On that day, you bring the bucket, 40, 50 worms. If you do not know how to fish or you do not have a rod, that's where this email comes in, Trev Trout. It's going to make sense, doesn't it? Email Trev and say, what do I need to organise? Very cheap, very affordable, not him, but the gear that you can get. And I'm going south a lot today, aren't I? Take one of those. Brilliant moment of building family. Include someone else and bring him along. Lindy's going to sing. As you hear these words about God's heart, if you're here this morning and it's for you, it's hard. I'm just going to be praying that God might wash over you a sense of his love and his healing and his graciousness in your lives. Reset, reset, reset. Reset today.